This is The Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I mean, I'm really excited today. Uh, my guest is a man that I've been fascinated with for a couple decades. Uh, not only has he had tremendous business success, but he's this guy, when I watch him on TV, he jumps out of the screen. Uh, his charisma, his intellect. I find him one of the smartest people, by the way, in all of television for more than a decade now. The Big Idea was like my favorite show for a long time. And so I can't wait to share him with all of you today and pick his brain, particularly as it comes to marketing and business. So Donnie Deutsch, welcome to the show. Hey, what a pleasure to be here. My privilege. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited about this too. So I, I'm going to go all over the place with you. I'm going to interrupt you. You interrupt me. Oh. Um, first thing I want to ask you, and I meant what I said is I, I find you so compelling. I'll watch you on some of these panels. There'll be three people on the screen. Right. And I'm not just saying, you just jump out. I don't see the other two people. <laughs> and I think... I think it's the way you articulate your point. Obviously, you're a good-looking man, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's. You're a handsome man, Ed. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we should, we should start every show this way. I should just start fawning all over you. Tell me how good-looking I am, and I'll reciprocate. But I'm curious, what do you no longer believe about marketing or business that you were completely sure about 20 years ago? Has something completely changed for you? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I didn't understand look 20 years ago social media this what we're doing here didn't exist you know right, right. so you know i grew up I, i'm gonna start dating myself you know where media was traditional media was it was just media there was no such thing other than traditional. it was television and radio and print and outdoor and direct response so you know i don't think any of us could have imagined just the, the power in our in what we would carry with us and how that would dictate how advertising today is really so driven what goes on on that smartphone and the images we see there versus any place else. So I, I couldn't have imagined that. Do you think it's relevant still, traditional advertising? I mean, TV, print advertising compared to, you know, I get asked, hey, will you put something out on your Instagram story for blah, blah, blah fee? And supposedly that's going to have a more specific and pointed reach than, than a, an, an, a TV well, or radio think, ad. Let's think about eyeballs and passion. Now, particularly if you're young, if you're somebody, you know, I have three daughters, my two youngest ones are uh, 13 and 16. I, they, TV doesn't exist to them, you know? So, I mean, so obviously the younger you are, but if I say to you, okay, I can spend money on a 30 second commercial on television, reach a couple million people, it costs you know, from my amount of X, versus I can reach a half a million or a million or two million people of a passion audience, of an audience that's followed, there's a reason it's called influencers. So, so they're not passive eyeballs when they're watching. You know, they might have a game on in the background, television, or a show that they're watching. But if they're following you, they're fo the, the word following, nobody follows a TV show. Very you true. follow people on social media. You follow influencers. You're influenced by influencers. So, you know, I was having this discussion with, with a buddy of mine, Steve Madden, the other day, who's a brilliant entrepreneur, you know, shoe yep. guy. Yep. We were talking about it, and I asked, like, why would you ever put another dollar in traditional media again? He really? Says, well, and he was the interest of the discussion is, but there's this thing that goes, you know, I take it out to a billboard or something and you're building brand awareness. I said, yeah. you're doing both the other way. So if you're still, if you're getting enough eyeballs in a, in a targeted message, something on your Instagram or my Instagram or, or his Instagram, you're also building the brand. They're not separate. So it's not, it's not the old days where you do retail sale ads and the national image ads. It's all in the same. So a, a Kardashian ad where she's selling a product or yeah. using a product in front of 200 million people 
That's both selling the product, but it's also building the brand of the product. They're not mutually exclusive. Everything today is a brand. Every business, every company, every every celebrity, every athlete, your brand, not a brand. Somebody's got a Facebook page is a brand. Yep. So we kind of lens everything through what's going on in the week. Talk to thought leaders. You know, got a lot of great guests on, and I break down the brands of the week. So if anybody and anything is a brand today, and that's the premise of the show, and that's the way we do it. I believe that. And by the way, one of the great things about your show is, and I like about mine, I don't just like the interviewer. I, I like when there's two people that kind of know something about a topic, talk together. That's the difference in if you have a good podcast or an yeah, average one. But absolutely. in terms of the reach of the brand, it's interesting you say that because I've wanted to expand the brand of this show. And we've been talking about doing more traditional advertising, literally billboard, airport. Yeah to expand the brand to a base that may not even know something like this exists. To me, that might still make traditional advertising relevant because it compared to I just going to interesting because I have a new podcast, so I'm in the business of marketing a podcast yep. also. And I think the best way to do it is the world of podcasts is, and, the, and this world is a little separate from the rest. What they've shown with, they've shown that traditional media is not driving the podcast. You're, you're better off coming on and doing my show. Yeah. And all the things that you do that is like it's, you have a built-in audience of that wants to because so many of the people who are who are not podcast listeners, it's hard to change behavior. You know, my mother's not listening to a podcast. You know what I mean? Most of my friends, you know, I'm 63 years old, I'm older, they're just not gonna start listening to podcasts. So in order to go into the general media space, you're looking, you're you're talking to so many people that are going to be non-converters that even if even if they see you and go that's a good looking guy or oh well, yeah i've heard of him he's great like they're not so you, the world is such an expanding world where we are now with social media and yeah. podcasts and that world i would not i would i don't think it's money well spent tripping and well, i'm asking the right guy and i gotta tell you it's funny i'm getting ready to shoot a pilot for a show and i was excited I'm like wow i'm gonna really expand my brand and the people that are producing the show said the same thing you just said. They said, actually, it's not going to cross over. <laughs> I said, I was interested when I was working with my production company as cast that does my show. And I said, well, you know, I'm on Morning Joe once or twice a week. Yeah. I'm, on a while, you know, I'm on TV three times a week. That's going to be a great promotion. I go, well, that's great, but it's not going to, it's not going to convert. That's it, crazy it, it, to me, but it's, 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 it's what I keep hearing. Thing. It's a weird thing. So, because our instincts are, we grew like, okay, yeah. now we're going to get bigger. Now we're going to go more mass, but now... There is no more mass, and the mass is more of just wasted eyeballs. You know, it's so, true. And the, the other part of it is, I've even I've been doing this for four or five years. By the way, I love what you said. I want to go back just so everyone hears this. Everybody is a brand. Everybody's yeah. an influencer to some extent, and, and I've seen a lot of people do very well who weren't well-known people originally because no. they create interesting content. But what's really fascinating to me is the other thing is I'm, I I forget how prevalent this space is in the amount of eyeballs and or ears that leave and listen to the show because I was also telling the producer, you know, I can't wait, you know, this is going to be big. And she basically said to me, as big as you think this thing could get, there's no way you're going to get a couple million people a week watching like you can here, right? Like I, I forget this is big now, even though I'm in it because I'm an older guy. This is the big, and the, the non-traditional media has become the traditional media. Like whether it is, and you know, going back to what you said that every everybody is a brand, everything is a brand. You know, my thirteen-year-old daughter is a brand because what what is a brand at the end? Of the brand is a set up as a value system that we where if you're Nike or you're uh, Joe Biden, you send out. This is our value system. Hopefully, you like it. So if somebody's making a Facebook page or making an Instagram page or making a TikTok. They're deciding on the values, what people want to see them as, what they stand for. Do I want to be seen as somebody intellectual? Do I want to see somebody fashionable? Do I want to be a little more sexy? And so when my daughter makes a decision, 
that she's going to put on a picture at 13 in a bathing suit. On. I said, no, 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 that's not part of your brand right now. That's, that's not happening. Okay. You're off brand. That's, I should have been saying that to my daughter. Not it's inappropriate. <laughs> You're off brand right now, babe. You know, you may think that's your brand right now, maybe, <laughs> but not not right now. And so we are all, as I said, the Republican Party is a brand. The, the Fed is a brand. Um, you are a brand. Uh, obviously, business is a brand. You know, so everything a brand is a value system. So when you set out when you're putting your show together and you're, you're doing all the stuff you're doing, everything you're doing is as it comes from the value system of who you are, what you about, what you want to project, how you want to help people, you know, your mission statement. And that's everything you're doing. And it's, you know, it's come natural to you because you're a branding guy by nature. Yeah. You're a marketer by nature, but it's really everybody at the end of the day. So I have a, let's say I have a business. You talk about your 13 year old, but let's, and you also said AOC, let's just take millennials. I don't even know what the exact age is there. YX millennial, <laughs> like way younger than me. Right. Yeah. What do they want in a business that they're either going to be a consumer of or want to go to work for? So if I'm someone here, I'm an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and I'm going to market to or hire mainly, let's just call them young people. What are they looking for? Here are the things in no particular order. One thing, and it's been very prevalent in the news lately with Major League Baseball, you know, well, now the All-Star Game and corporations starting to get involved with causes. They want companies with a conscience. So young people, they want companies that have a value system that line up with them. Very, very, very important. So you have young consumers today that, hey, you know, hey, if you're, you know, you're a company and you're in this area and you're going to stand behind this situation or you're going to, uh, um, you know, discriminate against the LGP community, you know, yep. we're, we're, you're not getting our money and we're certainly not coming to work for you. That's number one. Number two, they want companies. And I saw this when I was building my ad agency. We were one of the first kind of like, companies with that big open office environment and, you know, mm -hmm. office of the future. They used to come up and do a lot of photo shoots at our office, people with scooters going around. A lot of offices are now like yeah. that. This has gone back 20 years. And they want companies that start with employees' lives that make sense beyond just working at the company. Yeah. You know, that you whether it's flexible hours, whether it's just little things like I can bring my dog to work or whatnot. Yeah. But here's the tricky little secret that, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the, all the new age companies and the Googles have learned. They seem to be doing what is the most employee friendly thing in the world. They set up their offices where there's food all day long at night, where you go into the, I remember I was up at Facebook and you, you go into the bathroom and you have every type of product that they just give you, you know, mouthwash, whatever it is, like, you know, you, know, you never have to leave. Like you could, and ah, that's the dirty secret. They don't want you to leave. Like, so what seems to be, <laughs> So employee centric, what they're really and what they're really trying to do is create an environment where you just you they're giving you food, not because they're such nice guys. It seems that <laughs> people come up, oh my god, I get these dinner. I just walk into this place with dinner. I don't think of any money. And, uh, and I have this wonderful steak or whatever. No, because they realized having somebody stay for those extra two or three hours in the office. Yeah, I'll give them what will cost me ten bucks, whatever the hell it will. So right, that's really you know, good. so. There's an irony here. These incredibly employee central companies, one could argue, were more, what's the word, uh, more manipulative or yeah. not as consumer-friendly, because if you're consumer-friendly, you'd be okay with people going home at Give them a little bit more time yeah. off. It's interesting you say that, because I had uh, Mike Koski on, Blake on, who did Tom's Shoes, right. and you know they did a pair and give away a pair, that whole, sure. yeah, and 
I'm convinced, I've got a friend right now building a big water company, same thing. And it's mainly young people that are behind the socially conscious aspect of what they're doing. Now, what a, what's different them? So I've got a business, I'm marketing them. I completely agree with you and that's great intel. Two, what if I'm marketing more to boomers? What do they want that's different than what millennials want? Boomers don't get marketed too much because they have their portfolio of brands ready. The reason the young audience, the 18 to 34, 18 to 40, you know, I'm not going to see an ad and change my tequila at this point. I'm not, I'm not going to get, you know, if I like Mercedes Benz at this point, that's what I'm driving. I'm on to my fourth or my fifth or whatnot. Whereas young people are choosing their brand portfolios. So I haven't necessarily committed yet to the insurance company I'm going to use. I haven't necessarily uh, really chose, yeah, I'm drank beer, but I haven't figured out what my, you know, clear spirit's going to be or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Or I'm certainly going to the movies and I'm buying fast food or whatnot, where Guys like at my boomers, and I'm peak year boomer, 1957, I was born. You know, yes, we're still they're talking to us about financial services and things like that, but we're not on a lot of target market lists. You know, it's just, you know, and what in our day, what was, I think, most important to boomer, we were very selfish, most self-entitled generation there was. So it was always a better life. What's going to be a better life? What's yes. It was going, you know, it was yes. much, money was much more of it. it's so ironic that there's so much topicality now about young people trading and robin hood and, and the yeah. democratization of stock trading <clears throat> where they're really not driven as much by money I know. they want experience they want quality of life whereas to young people today here's a dirty secret the 18 to 24 year old socialism is not a bad word i know socialism to us you couldn't say anything worse than socialism you know yeah. and to them to a lot of 18 24 you know what I'll take my $70,000 a year job and health insurance and this and that, and no, I'm safe for life and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that didn't exist with my contemporaries, you know? Yeah. So that can be problematic for this country going forward. Because if we have a generation, I know you're smiling because I know you agree with me. Mm -hmm. If we have a generation coming up that's okay with that, we're going to end up a weaker country, you know? You're such I mean, an interesting guy. Like, yeah. I thought you thought some of these things, but at the same time, I think I'd maybe painted this picture that you were a little more... Maybe a little bit more left than you than no, you are. No, I so I'm on MSNBC. So you're in the clubhouse and it kind of gets, you know, but I'm a lot of ways contrarian, you know, when, mm. when I'm on there. Look, I was the one who got on there. I remember getting a huge fight with Lawrence O'Donnell on the air because I said, this is during the primaries, if the Democrats run either Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, we'll lose 48 states because you can label them a socialist. Now, right. yes, 1824 is like socialist. The rest of the, to everybody else is a verboten word. <laughs> and that's the beginning of the end. I, you know, once you look, I, you want to be Denmark, great, you know, knock yourself out, you know, mm -hmm. and, but that's not what this country's all about. I never mm -hmm. thought it was. I think it was about rugged individualism and guys like you pulling yourselves up from the bootstraps. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what makes us great. That, that strive to be better individually. And if we have a strive to be better individually, we'll be better collectively. You know. That's my big thing. I, I grew up in a very liberal home, really, really liberal. My grandfather's right. union, my dad, my dad was, my dad's probably left of Bernie Sanders. Very, very liberal home. Really? Which yeah. Right? Yeah. I, well, I grew up in Southern Cal, but we're from Boston originally. So I'm from New England. My dad's like a New England Democrat, just, you know, good New England Democrat Got family. It. And, um, but I, I have over time very socially liberal, but I'm very fiscally conservative, which more I'll and more. Eighty percent of the world is like you and me. By the I way. know they are, and there's just there's not a lot there. But I just I worry about us losing what you just described in the fight to progress our society. Yeah, I worry about that. But you've had a big life. 
you've met a lot of people. Yeah. And um, I'm curious, this just give us tips. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, I'm a, my audience is anywhere from 18 years old to 50 years old. Everybody in this audience is just trying to do better in life and be happier and more successful. Sure. sure. What impresses you when you meet somebody? You must have imparted this onto your daughters, I guess. So like, what impresses someone like you when you meet them? So that if I wanted to be more impressive, I guess, so to speak, yes. what should I be focused on? Um, the first thing I always look at is, is I, I can wrote a chapter in one of my books about this, the hungry eye theory. I want to I see someone who's hungry. You know, mm. if, who, who's looking to put their thumbprint on something, who wants mm. to make a difference, who wants to, you see it in them. They're like, I, I, I got to do it. I got to do it. You know, I would always hire people. I would never go, go, oh, let's say I had a Mitsubishi car account. I wouldn't go, grab me the guy who was doing the advertising in another agency on Mercedes because he's already done car work. I want the guy that wants to make his bones doing the car and hasn't done it before. And mm -hmm. they're hungry and they've been passed over for it. So first thing is hunger. People are not afraid to fail. You know, they just, they want to go, they'll run through walls, they'll keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And people who are curious, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, what I always say to people on an interview that, that is such an interesting dynamic power position. Beyond the obvious, if you need to do your homework on who you're talking to or whatnot, as quickly as you can start interviewing them, like not in a way that is in any way seems arrogant, but that the subtext to the person in you is like, oh, this person's trying to see if this job is right for them. They think they're that good and not arrogant, but like, you know, I see that you guys do business this way. I think that's really interesting. Tell me why you do it that way and whatnot. So like that, you, you kind of redistributed the power in the interview. And at the same time, somebody's saying this guy's inquisitive and interesting and whatnot instead of just blabbing about himself. Yeah. So, you know, curious is a, is a big one also. I think curious, curious is one of my top ones with my friends, just in general. I interrupted you. Go ahead. What were you going to add to that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that, that you use the energy candidate thing, you know, when you were yeah. talking about, and that's a great insight, by the way. Yeah. But that's it. Someone who's got that life energy, you see in their eyes, there's a twinkle, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a passion, there's a drive, there's a, you know, because, you know, it's at the end of the day, no, there are no geniuses out there. You know, yes, I've met a couple of Bill Gates. You know, there are a few of them out there. But most guys, what I've met in business, when I've met the top 50, you know, CEOs or big celebrities or big politicians, you know, they all have the same thing. There, there are no geniuses out there. Yep. They're hungry. They're driven. They're not afraid to fail. They get up uh, and they have a sense of entitlement. This is, the, this is the secret sauce. This is where I want to give to your audience. That, and this is what I met with every uber successful person. Beyond the toolbox of being hungry and driven and smart, they kind of say, why not me? You know, nobody was going to give you a big podcast. Yeah. Nobody was going to turn you into this big motivational guy. Mm -hmm. Nobody was going to come up to you and go, yeah, until you go, no, wait a second. I listen to other people talk. I actually think I have as much, if not more, to say. I know I was able to inspire that one guy, so maybe I could do it. And you have to have, it's not arrogance, it's just a little bit of a time, why not me? So yeah. for that next big thing to happen, if I want to run for mayor, nobody's going to come to me and go, hey, Donnie, you're a great guy, you should run for mayor. Instead of, and I say to myself, you know what, I can raise money, I love this city, I'm a great speaker, I know the right people, I can run a business, why not me? And it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but until you say that, it axiomatically can't happen. God, it's so interesting. It's the timing of that's fascinating to me. We're recording this now, but tomorrow, and it won't be sequential when this comes out, but releasing an interview with Michael Chandler. He's a USC fighter. 
sure. just won a big pay-per-view, good friend of mine. And he had lost, he had a three-year losing streak. He lost like 500 days in a row or some crazy number. I don't know, three, 500, something like that. And I said, what was the difference? He goes, I finally goes, he goes, someone has to win. Why not me? Yeah. Exact sentence you just said. He goes, someone's got to win. There's only two of us in there. <laughs> Why not me? Right. Well, it finally occurred to him. And I, I think that that is literally, I think that word entitlement's really interesting. I think successful people. It's a good word. Right. It's a good word. Not in the best. Sometimes we get entitlement and it gets a bad rap. I don't mean arrogance. And that I got from meeting so many uber successful people and going, yeah, they're smart, but they're not like, there was no white light around them. You know, there was nothing emanating from them that I didn't have. I agree. I think the arrogance part removed is, is you're right. I think really successful people have this kind of this interesting line they tow, which is tremendous self-confidence with a skosh of humility. And yes. that's, a, that's that line that some guys we've talked about previously don't understand. Yeah. And the really successful people I know have that entitlement with humility. Yeah. And I think that is the real balance. The great athletes I know, the great business people. I found the bigger they are, the more humble they are. Because they, 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 they recognize how fortunate they are. They don't have anything to prove. And they also understand a little luck has been in the game. That's correct. There's, there's every time I meet the guy that says, nah, it's not about luck. No, it's certainly not just about luck, but you need the right breaks. You have to create the breaks. And you, yep. But you need a, a one or two or three things that chip the foil away at the right time. And 100%. Timing matters. I asked you earlier what your thing was that's changed. And for me, I used to think timing was overrated in business. And now I know timing's a huge deal. The breaks are a huge deal. You could be the greatest chef in the world. If you opened your restaurant January last year in New York, your timing was really bad, right? So the breaks, timing, those things actually factor in. I'm going to ask you about meeting all these successful people and you being one. For me, it was interesting, whether they were successful or not, but especially the ones I've, I've got to know over the years, I thought they'd all be happier. Meaning, I don't mean happier than they were. I just assumed once you get there, almost everyone's happy. And yeah. the truth is, they're not. And I'm wondering, just in general, successful people and just people in general, why do you think more people aren't happy? I think, let's talk about successful people. Okay. I think they're self-actualized, but they're not necessarily happy because the very thing that drove it. It's like, by the way, I'm 63. Why am I starting a podcast? <laughs> You're thinking about that same thing <laughs> yeah, a lot, brother. Book people. Yeah. I, I, you know, it just, it's like, it, it, it just, you know, because it's like, what's next? You know, it's that, you, yeah. what are you going to go, go visit your money? You're yeah. going to like just, oh, those grand old days when I did that, you know? Yeah. We all want to feel relevant. We all want to feel vital. And mm -hmm. so the very thing that fed the beast in the first place continue needs to be fed. You know, I, I always was a star. I sold my company at a pretty young age at 43 and I had a great mm -hmm. capital event. I remember people would say, oh, why don't you, don't you want to just go play golf now? I'm like, mm -hmm. what? Yeah. You know what I mean? And no, the reason I did, I wanted to challenge myself to try something new. I felt I'd already kind of won the game. And I have a chapter in my books called The Multiple Mountain Theory that if you're really lucky and you're 101% and you made a lot of money and you get self-actualized and you get, you, there's an irony, there's a pillow that comes with success because there's no more margin of failure. It's just degrees of success. Very like, good. if you think about it, if I had just stayed in advertising, mm -hmm. so would we go from $3 billion to $3.2 billion? Would we be up 17% this year versus up 9%? I wasn't going out of business. Like, I want, like I want. We were a cool, big ad agency. I was a well-known guy. I was making a lot of money. It was like, I, I walk into a three-hour meeting, I knew I was going to end in 30 seconds. So I, one of the reasons I sold my company, I wanted to force myself 
to feel like I was at the beginning again. In television, I was like that. I wasn't a well-known guy in television. It was, and I kind of regenerated myself. So yeah. I always say to people, if you're fortunate, not just sort of say straight from your core competence, because as Buffett says, you find one thing you're great at, you, yeah. you bang it. But try and create new mountains, because that's what keeps the energy going. It's interesting. When I was young and I wasn't the guy that was successful yet, I used to think, when I get there, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay on the beach. I'm going to play golf. It's going to be the... But then the person you have to become... The requirement by the time you get there is you no longer think that way. Yeah. And I, I do that sometimes too. I'm talking to you. I'm looking at the Pacific Ocean right now, right out here in the backyard. And I do have those days where I'm going, now, what am I doing? Why am I? You, know, you have those days for sure, right? But then yeah. there's this other part of me is like, well, what am I going to do? Just sit out there all day and look at water? I mean, like, what the hell would that be? You know? So, you know, and you, and look, we all need something to be passionate about. I always say to people also, don't sell your business until you're ready to want to do something else. Because you, mm -hmm. I don't care what the number you get for it, it's like you can't go busy line. And to your earlier question a couple of minutes ago, and this is a, comes from a, a wealthy guy, money doesn't make you happy, it makes you more comfortable and solves problems. So money is good. Money's really, really good. And it, you can throw it at a lot of problems. Or, yep. But it's, as the end game, it's not like, you, we know a lot of miserable people who have a lot of money Yep. You know, look, if you go home, you don't love going home to your spouse or your partner. Like, yep. how happy? I don't care how much money you have in the back, you know? It's 100% too. It's hard when people listen to two rich guys say that. when yeah, they Yeah, let's preface but, but, I but I, but, Yeah, but I, I will also, and I know you mean this. I, I mean it too. I, I will just say, listen, I uh, recommend it. I was happy, poor, and I'm happy, rich, and happy, rich is way better. So I totally recommend happy, rich over happy, poor. Yes, but you're 100% right. That it's also a magnifier. Money's a magnifier. I think if you're by and large a pretty good person, it's going to magnify that. If you're a little bit of a curmudgeon and take advantage of people, it magnifies that. If you're a giver, it'll magnify it. If you're a worrier, it'll magnify it. I think it's a big time magnifier. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of exiting a business, let's talk about starting one really quick. We got a little yeah. bit more time. Should everyone do it? In other words, is everybody an entrepreneur? I say to people this, if you have the opportunity in your life to do your own thing and not work for other people, you take it. Because it is, when you're working for other people, the amount of energy that's spent on managing up and the, because like some one person controls you or two or three, like not doing the job, but impressing the person who you work for or managing this person and doing that versus like, there's such a liberation when it's just you. And, you know, I think we live more than any time, more than any time the prices of entry are, are so much lower. Look, look, with the technology today, anybody can start a business. You know, it was very different 20, 30 years ago. So I always say, and when you have a business, like having a baby, it's like, it, you know, it's like, it's this thing and it's an extension of you and you don't, you work until two in the morning. It's not work because it's you. So I always say to people, I, I used to challenge people to work for me. I'm an agency. Go start your own agency. And of course, really? they, I thought they were great. And like, yes, I'm loving you working here. But if I'm paying you $100,000 a year, that means you work $400,000 a year. Yeah, you? right. That's called profit. I'm just just right. using math, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, to anybody out there, go for it, you know. And don't wait to – the other thing also that we got a bill of goods that we got sold the bill of goods on is that, you know, you got to put in your 20 years at a corporation and you got to work. No, you know, because what happens is you get the golden handcuffs and you're all of a sudden you got a mortgage, you got kids, you got a big salary. So I think young is when you take your shot, you know, and so. Boy, do I agree with that. I, I keep hearing a lot of these influencers, man, do we agree on a lot? He, saying, hey, be patient when you're young. And I'm thinking, man, no one said that to Zuckerberg. 
right? No one said that to Gates. No one said that to Cuban. No one said that to me. No one said that yeah. to you. Like I got after it young when I had energy, when I had time, when I had. And you can, and you, and you have time to fail. Where it's like I can't and come back. I'm not right. Do something major now and risk a huge part of what I have or whatnot. I'm like I, it's not going to happen. I'm in a different life part of my life curve. But when you're young. So even if it doesn't work, I always say to somebody, there was I have a dear friend of mine who's a uh, uh, big uh, talent agent person, and he was thinking about starting his own thing. And I was like, you can always have this. You, what you are now, a senior partner in one of these firms, go out and do anything. It doesn't work. You'll get not necessarily this job, but a job like this. Right. You know, that, nobody's taking your assets away from yeah. if you. If you're, it's not, you know, it's not, you know, so I, I always say go for it. That's me. Now, some people go, I want a steady paycheck. I need, it's too risky. I could say it's more risky having your hands in just one person, your fate in one person's hands. You know, a boss who could just blow you out any one day and you're out of work. So Ooh. I don't know, is it riskier to be on your own? Not necessarily. Ooh, that's very good. That's, I've not heard that said that way before. That's very good. The only thing y'all need to know, people tell me, tell them, hey, I don't have a job anymore. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, well, I hope you understand, you now have six jobs. Yeah. So yeah. the amount of time required, especially in startup phase, don't underestimate it, everybody. If you're you're getting up late, I, I can't believe how many entrepreneurs I see get up later than they did when they were an employee. It's like it blows my mind that they don't understand the yeah. circumstances they find themselves in now. Yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. I hear you. Okay, a couple more things about business in general, because we both agree about this. I hate long meetings. I hate them. Oh my I God. hate them. Oh and my. you speak to that very eloquently. So please school everybody right now that's leading anyone if you take anything away from this one productive nugget it's this what i used to drive me crazy i used to look at my calendar and there was a meeting scheduled you know from one to two thirty you know for whatever with this team about this room and i go who dictated that this is an hour and a half meeting and i would change every meeting to 15 minutes i would say i'd cut every meeting by three quarters of the amount of time because two things happen not only do you save all that time the thinking gets very linear and very forced because at the pace people have to, it's like molecules, you gotta fill up that space. Mm -hmm. And I say as a company, we have an amazing capacity to meet. Cut them by two thirds, cut them by three quarters. You, you will free up your day and they'll actually be more productive meetings. So good. I have a thing now guys where I do eight minute meetings. Is this an eight minute problem or 22 minute problem? I wanna know that. Like, And I, I got that part of my culture and my environment now. You're listening to one of the top minds that I, and everybody, you know, I've had a lot of people on the show. You've all heard billionaires on here. I'm telling you that, when I've listened to this man over the years, I thought this is one of the smart people I've ever listened to on television. And so when he says these things to you, take it to the bank. Last thing I want to ask you, and thank you for today. It succeeded my expectations. I knew it would be great. Last thing. So let's, we, we can't deny the obvious though. We're talking about business and entrepreneurship and we have just come out of a pandemic and a lot of people are still hurting. So if I'm one of these people that I'm listening to this, I'm inspired. I've got some great tips and insights today. It's probably one of those shows, everybody that you'll share with everyone, and you're probably gonna go back and listen to or watch one more time, that'd be my guess. But what advice would you have if I'm making a comeback? I'm an entrepreneur, I gotta make a comeback now. Maybe I'm even an employee and I'm like, you know what, you're right, this time around, I think I'm gonna control my own future. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who's gonna have to make a comeback now? You just actually gave it in that, in, in your question you formed, is that this is, I'm almost getting a fresh start. You know, small businesses, even if they went under, and I know this is so painful, but there were probably certain things that you structurally weren't set up right for. And that's why, so like everybody gets a fresh start. So in other words, it's like kind of look at it instead of what was me or I lost my job or my business went under, 
We right now are going to have wind at our backs for the, for the coming year or two. I mean, we have businesses going to be strong and get in there and also say, what are the things people are going to need post pandemic? You know, what, what are the things where, um, you know, it's interesting. So anything you just say, we're coming out of a dark cloud. I'm going to be one of the guys that takes advantage of this reboot where the entire country is going through a reboot. I think there's a lot of permission to build and to start and be fresh. Very good. And guys, I want to just add on to what he just said, because it's so true. You go back and study where most fortunes were made. They were in economic reboots. They mm -hmm. weren't in the best times. They were in reboot times. You can go look at Amazon. You can look at Netflix. You can look at most of these businesses were built during reboots. And this is like the mother of all reboots. I just saw a thing today. GDP is going to be huge. 19 million people probably hired the next year. So there's yeah. good stuff happening. Yeah. Today was awesome, man. Thank you for doing this. And Joey, wait. thanks for having me. Your audience, you, you, you built a great business. Thank you. Uh, and your business is about giving back, which is which is wonderful. And in a little time you spent, I could see how much you enjoy you what you do and the passion you have for your audience, what you do. So congratulations to you. Yeah, I enjoyed you. So thank, thank you. you. Donnie Deutsch, everybody, share it with as many people as you can. God bless you. Max out. This is The Ed Milet Show.